You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. What's going on, everybody? This is Colin with... Hey, guys. It's Elliot. And we have another guest today. It is no other than the one and only Matt Schaefer. Matt, how are we doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you, Colin? Doing very well, thanks. Thanks for, for joining us here. And uh, I will let you give your quick bio here, and then I think we're going to have to add a little color. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so my name is Matt Schaefer. I'm 24 years old. I grew up in Novi, Michigan, uh, which is a suburb outside of Detroit. I uh, went to college at the University of Michigan, and that's where I got really into triathlon. Um, we had a, a collegiate club team there, and I had done a couple tries pretty recreationally in high school. I uh, started out on like a mountain bike and then got like a specialized delay and was riding on that, but would really just race in the summer when I wasn't um, training for swimming and then before cross country season started. Um, but didn't know what I was doing, didn't bike train at all. So kind of just, just having fun, um, but got, got a little more serious about it when I uh, joined the college team. Um, and then after college, uh, I graduated December, 2019, I moved to Boston, Massachusetts, um, where I work as a software engineer, um, and yeah, I've kept living the triathlete lifestyle. Kept living the triathlete lifestyle, huh? Okay, <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. So those that aren't familiar, I guess it is pretty recent here, but Matt uh, crossed the line first as in the 18 to 24 at the 70.3 World Championships in St. George a couple weeks ago and is now a world champion. Very, yeah, it's, very cool. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. I actually, uh, I got the, the trophy like right in front of me on the coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like bigger than any uh, pan I own. It's massive. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Now that's, uh, I went to my first uh, 70.3 world championship in 2017. Um, after I qualified at my, uh, my first half Ironman in uh, Muncie, Indiana, and, uh, actually it was my second half Ironman. because I did one in high school, but it took me like six and a half hours. So I don't really like to think about that. You did your first, first half in high school. Really? I did. Wow. At, at the end of my high school, um, actually I just graduated. So it was the summer after my senior year. Uh, and I signed up for it just like on a whim. I didn't have anything else going on. It was, you know, I was working as a lifeguard, had a bunch of free time. Thought I was going to train, didn't really train. Um, they actually ended up like canceling the race halfway through the run 
and uh, because it was is lightning, but I wanted to finish the run because I wanted to get a 70.3 sticker on my my old Volvo station wagon. Um, <laughs> I remember like telling one of the people that at the aid stations that I was like huddled up, and they're like, "All right, I guess you can keep running. They're just not going to count your time." And I was like, "Word, I'll do that." Um, <laughs> so I was just running in the rain by myself. Um, but yeah, anyways, so I did the 2017 um half Ironman world championships in Chattanooga um and I was like blown away it was so cool I mean I was out riding my bike on the course a couple days before and like met people from all over the world and I was like okay next time this comes back to the states like I really want to go all in on like having a really good day at that race and um ended up coming back in 2021 where I was at the older end of the age group which was an advantage and I kind of went all in on it last year and yeah worked out pretty well how did you do in Chattanooga? Um, I got 12th in my age group. Um, and I had a good, one of the fastest swims and runs in the age group. But I like, I remember I was at the top of the big climb in Chattanooga. I was like third, 18 to 24. And then at the bottom, I was 20th. I like descent. I was just hugging the brakes the entire time. <laughs> Cause all of my biking experience was like flat Midwest roads and I, I was, I was just terrified. Um, but you definitely and, learned uh, how to descend, um, at St. George. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It had to for that. Although I still, I still could get better. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge guy, so maybe I just need to put on a few pounds to descend faster. <laughs> so cool. Um, so yeah, let's, let's sit on there a little bit more with your background here. So you swam through high school, right? Yeah, I actually started swimming when I was six years old. Um, so I, yeah, grew up swimming. It was like the only sport my parents could find for me that I actually liked. Um, I mean, I did baseball and basketball, but kind of just like stood around in the background, like didn't really engage with the rest of the team. Um, which is weird because like I, I think of myself as a good team player now, especially at like work and team projects and stuff. But um, back then I like just athletically didn't like team sports i just i couldn't i didn't understand it couldn't keep up with the pace but swimming i like because i was just in my lane going back and forth like doing my thing um yeah so i got into that from a young age um and then i also ran cross country a little bit in high school i did two years of cross country um but i was uh i wasn't super fast i think i was like barely under a 20 minute 5k kind of like back of the pack from my high school um yeah. But you had those elements, you know, that uh, the, well, we won't go Olympians per se, but when they are looking for the, the next Olympians, it's you got to have the swim and then ideally the run and then the, the, the bike can be developed, which I think you have validated. Yeah, that's, that's been the goal the last uh, couple of years for me um, is the bike was always kind of my a liability um, throughout college. You know, I, I would, we would do our collegiate conference championships and I would have the fastest swim and then everybody would catch me on the bike and then I would have to run everybody down. Um, and so I tried for years, like figure out how to get better at biking um, just by myself with no coach and just trying to do intervals and stuff. And, um, and then I uh, kind of finally took the plunge last year and started working with the coach and, um, that has transformed my biking immensely. And I, 
I think looking back, I was like going, it was weird. I was going really, really easy on my easy rides, almost like too easy. And then on my intervals, I was just like fully off of heart rate. And I think I was just like blowing up on my first interval. And then the rest of the intervals, I was dead, but my heart rate was still high. I don't know. It was, I, I certainly wasn't bike training efficiently, but kind of figured that out this last year. Yeah. Very cool. Right. So uh, what's the name? Who's your coach? Uh, his name's Matt Hurley. Um, he and his wife, uh, Lauren Hurley, uh, formerly Lauren Goss, who's a pretty good pro triathlete back in her day. Um, they own this, uh, company called black sheep endurance project, which, uh, coaches me and a couple of my friends. Yeah. And yeah, so we, uh, we haven't mentioned that, uh, Matt is also on team every man, Jack. And also what would you say your position is with the, with the club as well, or the group? My, I can call me team manager. Team team manager. Manager. Right. Yeah. I just help, help rich do all the stuff that he doesn't have time to do. So. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, uh, so I get some, some emails from Matt, uh, from time to time, which is nice, but, uh, he does a great job with that too here, but, um, but yeah, so then, I mean, so I've been chasing Matt or I guess if you want to call it that I've been, you know, looking at him ahead of me and the results most of the year here. Um, cause we did, uh, muscle man together where Matt was first overall, um, none of this skewed train time you were still what what'd you do matt uh what was your non-skewed time not non um train time even though i never stopped with the train right. uh, i was at 358 40 358 so broke broke four hours on a very i mean not a super hilly course but a very legit course and the uh, legit distances and uh then matt destroyed me at sea to summit um, you know, that unique race that we did talk about a couple episodes ago, um, that was kind of self-supported, you know, we won't talk too much about the fact that, uh, Matt did, I guess, only have one transition and, uh, his, uh, his Porter was at least there for him. Um, but, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, taking pictures with his girlfriend's family and, uh, you know, I guess probably balanced out the amount of time that I lost in transition. <laughs> Or, or portering, I should say. I, I uh, still, but... I still mess with Emma's mom about that because uh, I think, I think I told you, I we spent like, I, we might have spent ten minutes at my one water stop. I mean, <laughs> they just they were talking, asking me questions, taking pictures, and I like, I guess I was, I was a little cocky for being honest, and I was like, I'm probably pretty far ahead of the next guy. And I get back onto the road, and I see some blinking lights ahead of me, and it was. <laughs> The blinking lights they gave us at the race and i was like oh gosh like that was stupid <laughs> um i don't know yeah i ended up being yeah a little, a little closer than i than i thought but it was yeah. good that was a fun race although i wish i wish they let us get to the summit um i'd like to do it again next year or some or in a couple years um so we can actually finish on that washington yeah that would be cool but uh Matt crushed it there, so he won that. Uh, we also found out that the the race director uh, might have a little bit of a crush on Matt <laughs> during the awards ceremony. She definitely shared her affections for Matt, and uh, uh, that was so awkward. It <laughs> was a little bit awkward for all of us. That was pretty funny, uh, but uh, crushed it there. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, <laughs> I see. I. I don't remember the exact like language. No, I don't remember exactly what she it, said, but it was. Ba I see. Matt basically. Was, Something so along, along and, lines of like, yeah, yeah this little cutie is going to come accept his award. And I was like, what? I'm like, I'm not that young, you know? 
<laughs> that was pretty funny. She she even tried to backtrack. She's like, oh, you know, like <laughs> it was funny. So yeah, it was a great uh, intro to our champion um, <laughs> in that race there for sure. Um, and then Matt also with his coach there, Matt, he did um, the Casco Bay swim run as well and uh, destroyed Patrick and I in that and um, ended up set. No, wait, third, right? Third overall, we were yeah. second, second in the, in the men's division right? because the um, uh, the mixed team, the Boston Wet Sox, the Dierksons, yeah, who actually exactly. live a couple miles from me, yeah. are ridiculous. They just yeah. won swim run Orcas Island yesterday. I know. Uh, overall. I that. Well. They just, oh, was overall as well? Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. But then uh, Matt did go off course there as well. So I think they... Probably would have been the uh, the winning male team if it wasn't for going off course. So um, then decided to cap things off by uh, winning winning things in uh, in St. George. So not a bad season, huh, buddy? No, it was pretty good. Um, I, I kind of in twenty twenty. Obviously, you know, I had, I had pretty big plans for twenty twenty to do a lot of racing and. Um, when everything kind of got canceled, I took a step back from like serious training and just spent a lot of time like running and hiking in the mountains and wasn't really on my bike for a couple months. I didn't swim at all in 2020, really. Um, a couple of water swims, but nothing structured. And for a while I was like, am I even going to go back? Like I kind of didn't really even want to race again this year. Um, and then I started working with the coach and we started talking about like, you know, goals and like what, if, if I did start racing again, what I'd want to do. And, um, started to get excited about again, like talking about, uh, you know, potential trying to win my age group at St. George and, um, stuff like that. And that kind of stoked the fire again. And then now I am just all in so excited about racing again. Um, no interest in taking any time off, even though it's about to be winter. Yeah. So, all right, well, we'll we'll get to the future plans here. I got a question, couple questions there. We'll uh, we'll keep everybody in suspense on those ones for now. <laughs> so, um, but you said so, like you worked on your bike. So, um, let's let's actually let's shift to uh, see. So you, you said you work as an engineer. Um, what's your your kind of work and home life like? Yeah, so um, I guess my official job title is software development engineer in test. So I work in test infrastructure. Um, for a company called MathWorks. So we make MATLAB and Simulink, which are two different programming languages. So I work on the Simulink side of things. Simulink is a, a graphical programming language. Um, and so I mostly work on uh, test infrastructure and automating the test infrastructure to basically try and break our code and like if, and, you know, make sure that when developers are adding new code that they're not... Um, creating new bugs for customers and um, trying to automate all that so that we don't need to do any manual verification. It's all part of this system. Um, and so that's been pretty fun. It's a, it's a much more creative job than I ever thought it would be, um, which is good because like pretty much everything else I do with my life is not very creative at all. It's just kind of ride and run and swim in a straight line all day. Um, so yeah, I, I work, you know, probably your standard 40, 45 hours a week. I've uh, been working from home this whole time. Um, we're not, we haven't 
been officially all back into the office yet. And um, at first I was kind of bummed about that, but now it's actually getting pretty used to it at this point. Cause it's basically all I've known and it's makes it way easier to get my training in. Um, yeah, I live, I live in a, a one bedroom apartment out in um, Alston, Massachusetts, which is a neighborhood um, on the West side of Boston. Um, basically as far West of, downtown as you can get while still technically being in Boston. Um, so I got some more space out here. Um, good running trails nearby and easy to get easier, easy-ish, I would say, to get out of the city for cycling. Um, my girlfriend lives pretty close um, over in Cambridge. So see her pretty regularly. I have some friends in the area that I'll uh, hang out with or go for rides and runs with. But um, yeah, I would just say a pretty standard like mid-20s guy living in city who also happens to have a crazy hobby yeah i guess i guess we'd have to say that depends on what you categorize as normal because <laughs> let me tell you when i was 24 years old i was not living the same way that you are <laughs> i was just getting into the sport at your age yeah i was still uh intoxicated and uh with pretty much no no direction in my life at that point so um you know you and, and other young athletes that uh, are that dedicated and kind of, yeah, I don't want to say figured it out, but uh, it's just uh, pretty, pretty amazing to me because uh, it's just, I couldn't even fathom doing those. I guess, I mean, had the athletic background, but it was just not, not something I was interested in at all. And he's got uh, a head start on the old, us old guys call yeah, is what you're trying to say. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's, we'll go with that, but uh, just really, truly commendable and, uh, so great to see. Um, but uh, cool. So what um, I'm sure it fluctuates quite a bit, but would you consider that you, you put in like relatively high volume of training or um, where do you kind of feel like you are with the amount of training that you do? Yeah, I, I train usually target in like the 13 to 15 hour a week range um, leading into St. George. We had some like 17, 18 mile weeks, but Honestly, I, with trying to balance work and, and friends and, you know, spending quality time with the girlfriend, that, that felt like a lot. Um, that was pretty high volume for me. So I would say like 13 to 15 for me feels like it's higher than I was ever doing in college and um, feels relatively high, but I know it's relatively low on, you know, when it comes to like looking at what pros are doing and what uh, some some age groupers are doing, but, um, I don't know. It feels like yeah. it's enough for me. Well, when you're world, uh, world champion, you know, winner, then I would say, yeah, you could, you're probably hard to, to counter that, but, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think for you, most, most of the guys that are winning world championships in their age group are probably doing more volume than that. Um, and that's, that's pretty commendable and, and amazing there and finding a good balance there. Um, that's super cool. But I mean, yeah, what I, I, that was interesting how you mentioned that uh, you were even kind of considering not even going back to triathlon this year after taking that time off, but uh, you do spend a good amount of time hiking and out in the woods and things, right? Yeah, I think that, that was a really last summer, um, last spring too. I mean, I moved, so I moved to Boston in March, 2020, which was the worst time you could possibly imagine to move to a new city, especially like a big city. Um, because I didn't really, I had 
I knew a couple people, but I, I wouldn't say I had any true friends. Um, and I was, I feel like I'm relatively good at making friends, but the problem was it was hard to find spaces to make friends. Um, and so what I ended up doing was I just spent a ton of time outside. So I went up to New Hampshire and Maine and Vermont and, you know, on my weekdays, I'd be looking at all trails and, um, different trail report websites and trying to figure out what mountain I should climb the next weekend and then go up there. And then I started doing that where I bring my bike up as well. And, um, that was kind of my 2020 summer experience, um, was just doing that cause I wasn't racing and, um, wasn't like going out and doing city things. So just getting outside and being in nature. And that was what made me question if I wanted to keep racing. Cause I was like, you know, it's hard to do a lot of those like long hikes and like kind of adventure rides and stuff when you're on a, you're on a strict training plan and trying to peak for a race, like you can fit them in sometimes, but it's not, you know, you're much better off doing a long ride on a Saturday um, or some, you know, some brick workout. Um, and I was like, man, I'm really liking this. Like, I feel like I have a really good lifestyle. I've, I'm really happy. Do I want to go back to racing? Um, do I want to go back to that kind of like higher intensity uh, lifestyle? Um, and I'm, I'm old on that for a while, but uh, it ended up deciding to go back. And I'm really glad I did because I forgot how much I love it. Very cool. But do you think that like all that time on your feet and like the trail running and, and hiking and stuff like that, do you feel like your running improved from that? Um, I would say my running improved, but I also think my biking improved maybe even more. I just got a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember last June we did this thing called the Pemi Loop in New Hampshire, my friend and I, and it was um, 31 miles, 10,000 feet of climb. We did it in like eight and a half hours just running as much as we could and then you know you, some of the steep sections on the up and down you got to hike and um just like the beating that like that kind of miles takes on your legs like I feel like I just developed a lot of strength um that's helped me on the bike um but also on the run especially kind of resisting fatigue near the end of the half marathon um resisting fatigue in St. George running down those steep downhills on the run course I mean the run loop was two loops and um, there was one section where, you know, we were running 430 miles and that, you know, the pros were running even faster. Um, and, you know, having the experience in the trails to like the strength from the trails to, um, stop from fatiguing on all that pounding, I think was really helpful for me. Totally. And just real quick on that 31 mile, 10,000 foot, uh, elevation effort there. Was that like, plan for a while like did you prep for it or just kind of do it that's a great question uh no it was well I had heard about it before it had kind of been on my mind my buddy Narek and I uh we had been talking about doing that for a long time um but we hadn't picked the date or anything and it was, it was Thursday afternoon so it was two days before we ended up doing it and I was texting him and we were looking at the weather report up in New Hampshire trying to pick a pick a hike to do maybe something like 10 miles or so and the weather looked really nice um and we both said we were feeling good and forget who said it first but somebody texted like screw it should we just do a pemi loop and i think instantly some the other person responded yes and then you know by the next day we had gotten a bunch of pop tarts and granola bars and goos and um 
you know, we met up at 3 p.m. on Friday and drove up to the mountains, slept in the back of his Jeep, and then started the run at 4 a.m. Um, we, we ate like a large Domino's pizza for breakfast. I mean, we were just <laughs> totally a mess. Um, certainly not what I would advise other people to do, <laughs> but it was really fun. Wow. That's cool. So let's, let's take a second here and talk about St. George and how the race played out. Um, first off, was it fun at the MJ house or what? It was really fun. Um, yeah, so I got into St. George. I got into Las Vegas, I guess, um, a week before the race on, uh, it was actually six days before the race on a Sunday. Um, and my friend, Justin Rielli, who's also on, uh, EMJ, he, he lives in, in Las Vegas now. Um, so I flew in with him and then our friend Devin Volk, another guy in EMJ who was the, uh, uh, male 25, 29 world champion. Um, he flew in on Monday. And so we kind of, Stayed there for a couple days, um, did some training, um, light training in, in Vegas, all before like 7 a.m. Because after 7 a.m. it was 100 degrees and a mess. Um, and then we drove to St. George on Wednesday. And that's when we got into the team house and met up with a bunch of the other guys. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a, good, a good environment of people, you know, all, all people who were ambitious, but also – Nobody who was like too stressed or like too competitive and, and um, everybody kind of gave people the space that they needed to do their own thing for the race day. Um, but then also like, we'll just wanted to hang out and watch a movie and, you know, go get some food and like lounge by the pool and not, you know, be so stressed about the race. Um, and I don't do well in environments where everybody's talking about Watts and, the competition all day. Like I, I don't like to think about the race too much for the race. You know, I've done a, done a bunch of triathlons at this point. I feel like I don't need to think overthink it, you know? Um, and so I, I can sometimes get nervous, like traveling before races and staying with people I don't know super well. Um, but this ended up working out really well. I'd say so. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you know, obviously, or uh, we'll talk about the conditions and Elliot, we can talk uh, more about your day as well here. I guess we haven't done that yet. Um, so you, what, what time did your wave go off at? We went off at 840. Elliot, what time did you go off at? 740. Okay, so an hour difference. An wow. hour difference. Uh, so when did the storm hit you, Elliot? Right before the climb. So I think okay. we didn't have it as bad as some other people because I kind of did kind of depended on like what direction you're going and like the winds were pretty strong and i guess some people got caught up in a pretty tough headwind and stuff but yeah i mean it was definitely like really windy but i don't think it affected me as much as other waves yeah we that's good to hear um because we got my my age group was not having a good time <laughs> um i saw two people blow into each other and then fall over um, and yeah, we had like a headwind crosswind for miles 25 through 35, kind of yeah. like right in that middle section where right. it was a lot of like smooth rolling hills and heading directly east, east to west. Yeah. It was scary though. I mean, it was definitely strong and kind of like blew me off to the side moment, like momentarily. And I don't know, I got kind of like apprehensive after that. 
and then just seeing like the lightning strikes in the sky it was kind of like wow are they gonna like call this race but it kind of eased up pretty fast was it bad on the descent at all it wasn't as windy but i mean it was really wet and a lot of people were just like sitting up and taking it easy but yeah i mean i feel like it's a, probably a good thing you have you got your bike handling skills down because it was kind of i mean it, it was probably pretty wet for you too right going down that hill it dried up a lot more than i thought um it that whole hill was in the sun and the sun started to come out while we were climbing snow canyon um so then the descent down the other side it was much better than i thought but there were a couple sections where i was like oh is it raining again and then i realized it was just spray yeah. so um but it's a straight enough descent where I don't think I was ever that nervous about the wet. I was more nervous about the wind coming back and blowing me around. Yeah, or changing directions if you turned or hit like an open spot. That's kind of what I was thinking about when I was descending. Because, I mean, you are going pretty fast. I mean, going like 50, right? Yeah, my friend my friend Justin did um, – he did – a minute in 10 seconds at 52 miles per hour average, which was ended up being the KOM on the descent, which was insane. Wow. I wasn't going quite that fast, but I think I topped out around 50. Did you feel like you were running out of gears a lot in that race? Or I guess it kind of depends on what gearing you use, but man, I just felt like I did run out of gear, not only on that descent, but like on some other parts. So, I mean, maybe the conditions were a little different for me, but I feel like we got like a lot of tailwind and I feel like a lot of the sections were pretty fast. What, uh, what gears are you running on your bike? Uh, 53, 11 were my biggest. And then some other guys I was riding next to were like had 55s and they're like, they weren't running out of gears nearly as much as me. And every time we kind of hit like a, fast section they always kind of took off for me i put a 55 on two weeks before the race solely because i'd had some friends who did the 70.3 there back in may and they were like yeah if you don't have it you're just going to give up minutes on all the descending yeah um because it's straight and somewhat steep and you know you can you can really hold power for a long time if you have that so i was like all right and that ended up being, I think, a, a big, a good investment. Good note for next year. Yeah. Um, cool. Still so, wouldn't have even, I still wouldn't have been able to hang with Matt, though. I guarantee well, it. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. But, uh, um, Matt, what t- what place did you come out of the water? In my age group? Yeah. Third or fourth, I think. There, okay. the, the guy who got second in my age group outswam me by a minute 40. Really? Fast- Fastest amateur swim. I think he outswam Lucy Charles. He was really like low 24. Wow. Um, he would have swam. He would have been like one of the best swimmers in the pro field with his time. Um, but we had to swim around people the whole time. Oh, yeah. Wow. And the pro field had the open water. So, I, I mean, he would have been like leading the front pack, I think. He was that good. Wow. Yeah. Do you know him? We talked at the award ceremony afterwards because um, I was – I. I didn't realize it at the time, but I mean, he outbiked me too. So I was chasing him the entire run and didn't know what he looked like. And, you know, I had got one update at the six mile mark that I was 30 seconds down, but I had no idea who this guy was or what he looked like. And nobody told me his name. So I, I wouldn't have known anyways. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, we, we, we got, we chatted at the finish line a bit cause he, um, he's living in Ohio now. He's going to uh, medical school at Ohio state. So I was giving some, some uh, crap for that. From Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Michigan Ohio <laughs> state thing there. There you go. Yeah. Um, gotcha. So, I mean, I'm assuming you were happy. It was a non-wetsuit swim. Yes. Always. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But you, were you happy with your swim? I was happy with my swim. Um, the goal of the swim was to like find feet and swim with people uh, as much as I could. And um, I mean, it was, it was my fastest time of the year for swimming. Um, and it was also the only non wetsuit swim. So that was good to see. Um, I took so much time off of swimming during 2020 that um, it like kind of took me a lot longer to come back than I thought. Um, but I, did a lot of swimming in August and early September, and that kind of got me going again. So, yeah, I came out of the swim with um, two guys in my age group. Didn't know that there was some guy who beat us by so much. So I thought we were like, you first know, track. Yeah, I was like, all right, we're, this is great. I know who exactly who. It was the guy from Cal and then the guy from Arizona. Two guys I had raced in college, and I was like, okay, I know, like, I know the guy from Cal can bike really well, so I'm just gonna not let him get away um try and drop him and then just run and I, i'll be good um and yeah that didn't end up happening <laughs> that wasn't the case right right yeah cool did you have so, a hard time keeping track of like your age group though because like you said i mean there's so many waves that went off before you and even i started like i was one of the first ones to start but i mean catching like the 40 44 year olds pretty much right away it was just kind of like a cluster in the water for me the the um in the water i could i could only really tell who was in my age group because we were past like if there was anybody who was around me who was swimming at my speed or faster i could tell they were in my age group because we okay. were swimming over all the other people from the yeah, other age groups sense. yeah yeah um yeah cool and Elliot, what did uh, tell us about your swim? Uh, well, I'm not a swimmer like Matt, so <laughs> when they made the call at 4:30 that it was non-wetsuit, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm a decent swimmer, but not at the level of Matt. I mean, he's kind of the next level, but for sure, just felt like I don't know. I think I started off too hard. I kind of had like a little panic attack, which I've never really had before, and I had to slow down and just kind of catch my breath a little bit and feel like I kind of lost a substantial amount of time there, but I mean, I kind of settled in and swam hard. I mean, my time was okay, but I felt like I was capable of a lot more, but I was just kind of flustered by like just the talent around me and just not used to having people, guys just swim with me like the entire race. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. But that's, I guess what you get in a world championship field. So I kind of should have yeah. expected that. Yeah, it can be uncomfortable swimming in uh in big packs. Yeah, I mean, I I, I consider myself pretty comfortable in the water, and I still kind of like got pretty nervous. I point. mean, it should it's a lot different for you too. I mean, you you even got beat by some swimmers, and you you're usually just out in front, right? At any other Ironman race. Yeah, it's it's weird going from uh yeah having clean water and just kind of swimming how I swim, and not really having to deal with feet to all of a sudden like having to keep looking up and dodge people. And I remember I would basically go to the left of a buoy and then I would cut inside and swim 
inside of the buoy and then I would basically snake in around the buoy the next time I came up to one because I didn't want to have to deal with people. Yeah, um, that's probably smart. Yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't learn that until like the third buoy though. So for the first three buoys, I mean, within 100, 200 yards, we had caught the age group in front of us because they said it just took so long for them to get the whole age group into the water. Um, and yeah, it, it, uh, it was, it was kind of a mess. Um, definitely a, a stressful swim. Well, it, it didn't show on your time. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So what did, uh, what'd you guys think of the bike course? Yeah. Um, I could start. It was, I mean, some of the smoothest roads I had ever ridden on, um, which was awesome. I mean, I've lived in Michigan and Massachusetts and Massachusetts roads are much better than Michigan's. But are they really? That's not saying I, much. I was, I was expecting you're going to say the opposite. I was hoping you were going to say the opposite. <laughs> Michigan's is horrendous. I wow. mean, yeah, I, you want a gravel bike just for your road rides. Like I'm serious. <laughs> it's a disaster. Um, not that Massachusetts roads are great. Um, yeah. Like I had a, I had a, not a great crash last year uh, from hitting a pothole. Mm. It kind of took me out of cycling for a while. But anyways, smooth roads. Um, that was great. Um, just, but the, the bike course is pretty crowded, obviously, because my edge group went off a little later. Um, so there was like some, some draft packs that were kind of annoying, but also weren't going fast. So you just kind of blew by them. And um, sometimes, you know, I would get a little annoyed and I would say something, be like, is this the Tour de France? Like, what are you guys doing? Um, and then they would kind of look at me and I would just keep going. Um, well, good for you. that's right that's something we didn't really talk about so you definitely feel like even on a hilly course like that we had some some drafting issues yeah i mean i don't think it's as hilly as everyone says it is it's really you only have the snow or the snow canyon snow canyon climb at the end but i mean other than that like matt said it's felt really fast yeah yeah i mean the times look pretty good you know but yeah um i guess Going back, and I didn't even realize till having our interview with James Elliott that the the course had changed so much. I mean, the St. George course I did for the Ironman back in 2012 was, I think, a lot hillier. Oh, the full? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the full and the half courses before. are a lot different from each other. Oh, they are? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, but we still go up that. Snow Canyon and all that and right. head down on the highway. So. Oh, I assume they were more similar. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay um cool so matt were you riding you know um obviously not drafting but with with people for most of it or um so for the first 15 20 miles i was riding with this guy bear from cal who i came out of the water with who actually just won collegiate nationals a couple days ago so congrats to him Um, yeah that was pretty cool he's he's a really good dude um so we were riding together for a bit um, but I kept, I kept dropping him in all the descents cause he was on a 52 36. Um, <laughs> I say descents, it was, as Elliot was saying, it was, it's a fast course. There's a lot of like long flat sections, but there are still some rolling hills that, um, and the hills, they're all like relatively steep. You know, it's not a ton of super gradual stuff. You're at a couple percent uh, going up and down. Um, and then it's a, a straight, straight, smooth descent that, Couple, at three or four percent i mean you can go really fast and um so i just kept dropping him and then he would work really hard to come back and we were yeah obviously you know um 12 meters at least uh, apart like i'm not i'm not risking that at all and um 
certainly don't want to build a reputation as somebody who's drafting. Um, but after 15, 20 miles, I think he couldn't hang anymore. So he, he dropped back. And then I was by myself and had like a couple people from the age group who the 25, 29 age group um, passed me that uh, uh, were just bad swimmers, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was like, well, one or two guys that passed me. And um, so I would like try to go with them, but I didn't want to go too hard. And also knew that since they were in my age group, I like, wasn't super concerned about it. Um, so that was the first 25 miles. And then there's this out and back, um, a little before mile 25, where you kind of go down a hill, you make a turn, you keep going downhill and then you turn around and then it's an uphill back up, um, before you take a left and that's, and then you follow this, uh, these series of roads that take you straight into town and taking a left off of that out and back was right when the storm hit um so like on that stretch coming up the hill i i could see the thunder and lightning i could see the lightning out in the distance and i was like okay it's gonna get bad at some point just didn't know when it was and then as we're making the turn there's an aid station on the corner and like i'm literally going to grab a bottle while we're we just get blasted by this 50 mile per hour gust and so my bike blows i have like one hand out to reach for a bottle almost knock over the volunteer, steer the bike away. Don't end up grabbing uh-huh. the bottle. Um, and then it was just like, we were on this pretty flat section with a couple rollers. And it was a section that I, I thought I could have gone pretty fast on when I looked at the map before. Um, but then with the winds and the, in the rain, I mean, I was, I think I was doing 300 something Watts and going 10 miles per hour. And I'm not a big guy, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, and so it was just a mess. And uh, my goal was just like, all right, don't let anybody pass you. Don't die. Like, just keep on moving, you know, try and stay low. You might not be able to be an arrow the whole time. But like, I was doing a lot of one hand in the arrow bar, one hand on the drop, um, yeah. just trying to keep from moving around too much. Um, and probably 20, looking at my, um, my, my, profile afterwards it looked like it was about 20 25 minutes of that um before it slowed down and then the wind slowed down and then we were able to start riding hard again um and weirdly enough like at the time i didn't really think about how that would affect people differently um i kind of just kind of di- wasn't thinking about how other age groups had started way earlier um or way later and, and it wasn't i was just like just gotta keep going which I think was a good mindset to have because I think I would have gotten absolutely yeah. down otherwise. Cool. And Elliot, what did you think of the bike? Same thing, but I think I just got it was right before the climb and kind of while we were climbing, it was going on too. So it was, but I just remember a gust kind of hit me one time and I just kind of had like the death grip and I'm like, just got to stay relaxed and just get through this because hopefully this will end soon and I was kind of actually worried about my wife. I mean, she started two hours after me. So I was just doing the math in my head. I'm like, I think she'd be out of the water by now. But yeah, I guess apparently some, some women weren't out of the water. And I kind of feel bad for them because I think they got, they had, they got pulled from the race. Yeah, I, pulled out of the water. That. I think you're right. Yeah. I knew people got pulled out of the swim. I wasn't sure if they let them keep racing. I mean, I guess I don't. I don't know how you can let somebody race who didn't finish the swim, but then 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird one. Yeah. Well, in St. George, the year I did the Ironman in 2012, they uh, they allowed people to cut the course uh, because of the crazy three foot swells in the water, um, and then they let them keep going. They should do what you guys did, what they did to you at uh, Muscle Man. Just give you like ten minutes. Uh, so I guess I would have liked to have taken that at St. George there. That year, uh, not quite sure how that they let that slide, but uh, oh well. Uh, cool. Um, all right. So you, you came in on the bike, off the bike, feeling good. Were you getting like updates? Uh, did you have any idea where you were then? Or you like you said, at mile six, you got an update. But um, how are you feeling off the bike, Matt? So I got off the bike and um, I felt I felt pretty good. I didn't feel like the best I've ever felt. Um, I, I mean, it's a hard bike course, so that makes sense. But I felt I felt good enough, and you know, my my parents in town, my girlfriend was there. I had a couple of friends from college who were in the area, so um, a lot of people, and I was like really excited to see them. My coaches were also in town, um, and so I started the first mile of the run, and I think the first couple of miles I went a little too hot. It's like before you have a pretty steep climb maybe at mile three, two and a half or three. But before that, it's a pretty gradual climb. And I didn't really take into account that it was a gradual climb. So I was kind of just like hammering some pretty fast pace. And I think that came back to bite me on the second lap, which we'll get to. Um, but at the mile mark, my coach came by on his bike and he asked me if I flatted. And I was like, did I bike that slowly? <laughs> I was like, I thought, I thought I was biking pretty good. <laughs> um, oh, that must have been a nice confidence I got. Booster, I was like, right? oh, no, this isn't a good sign. Um, <laughs> and that was when he was like, all right, you're, you're second in your age group. Um, you were six minutes down going into uh, the run. And I was like, oh, yikes. Okay, I have some work to do. Um, and, then, and then we got to a pretty steep climb. And... I was running the climb, I think a little harder than I, than I had wanted to. Um, but also just like really wanted to start making time up on the, uh, on the guy who was in first. I remember I passed one guy and he was like, can you hold that pace the whole time? And I was like, yep, I didn't. <laughs> I, I was relatively close, I guess. Um, and then, so I ran up pretty well. And then I, uh, I'd been training the downhill runs, uh, a lot. And I think the, the, trail running up in the mountains that really prepared me for the downhills too so yeah I, I ran really well on that um there's a pretty steep downhill for like a mile going back into town you do that around the 10k mark um and i ran real strong there passed my family they were all cheering got to the turnaround turned around mile seven my coach comes by he's like you're up 30 seconds down wow um, so that's like, pretty okay. big swing there huh so yeah you, I was like, you made I was like, five right. and a half minutes up in six miles yeah, I was like, okay, wow. if, if that's what we're doing, then we're, we're fine. Like, we just got to keep it together. But at that point, like, I wasn't – I couldn't really say much. My stomach was cramping a little bit, and my legs were starting to feel pretty heavy. Um, and so he told me I was 30 seconds down. I didn't say anything. And then he goes, just stay present. Like, don't let your mind wander too much. Like, you just got to just stay present. It's going to hurt. You're going to get it done. Um and let me that, let me back up one more sec. So when you back at the beginning of the run, when you heard you were six minutes down, did you feel like you were out? No, um, I I figured I knew I had the the run legs to put up one of the better run times in my age group, um, and like I I didn't 
know. So I, I knew that this race was going to be primarily people from the United States, just because like that's because um, of travel restrictions. And yep. so, you know, I the eighteen twenty four age group and like kind of the top of the eighteen twenty four age group is not a lot of people because it's you know it's a pretty small demographic for triathlon um just because triathlons are expensive and like you know if you're 20 you can't really afford a tri bike um and so i kind of like knew who the the fastest guys in my age group were and i didn't really know of anybody i couldn't think of anybody at the time who could out swim and out bike me by that much but then run really fast yeah so i was like i felt good that might have been misguided um but I, I felt like I could do it. I didn't, I didn't want to get into a point where I didn't think I could do it because then that, that would have a negative impact on my race. And I'm trying not to. Have no doubt. Impact. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. I'm just curious there if that, you know, deflated you at all or, um, you know, how, how you handled that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think if anything, the, uh, the, did you get a flat deflated me the most? <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, that is a big insult right there. <laughs> yeah, and there's actually I talked to Matt afterwards, and he actually explained it, and it made a lot of sense. Um, but uh, <laughs> essentially, why he thought I flatted was he was tracking my time deficit to the uh, overall amateur winner because I kind uh, of going into the you race, guys were thinking about really right. Not not necessarily winning the whole thing amateur because like that's just really fast. Um, but trying to be like top three, top five. Um, and so at mile 25 of the bike, I was fifth overall amateur and I'd given up two minutes to the guy who won, um, who was from the 30, 34 age group, which I think was the first or second age group to go. Um, and at mile 35, I was 10 minutes back, ah. 12 minutes back. I gave up 10 minutes in that 10 mile stretch and that wow. was where the storm hit us. Oh, um, right. Yeah, and and talking to to Jan Jan Stepinski is the guy who won overall. Talking to him afterwards, um, he was on the run, so yeah. he had gone through the bike course with no storm, and then you know that was some rain and winds on the run, which sucks. Don't get me wrong, but not nah, the same. But not as much as doing it on the bike, right? Exactly. So since yeah. since since Hurley since Matt was was tracking me to him, he was like, how did he lose so much time in such right. a short time? He must have flat it. And I guess me not being there did. Did they know this? I mean, I guess they must have known the storm was happening, right? I mean, it was affecting the whole area there, right? Yeah, it. Were I don't really far know enough exactly. away that it wasn't as if it was more severe where you guys were than other places. I mean, we kind of knew about it because, like, three days before it was supposed to be a hundred, and then they're like, "Oh, it's only going to be like in the eighties. But you looked at the forecast and you could see like a big storm coming through. So got it, got it. Okay cool so you you slowed down a little bit but uh held together i mean or i do have it up here how much did you end up winning by matt so so i only i, I won by 40 40 something seconds nice. um but it, i had a 40 second lead at mile eight so i i didn't know i i think i, I passed the guy around mile seven mile eight um and i didn't know what the dude looked like it was a really crowded course at that point. You know, it's two loop run course. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the older guys in my age group, like, could be 25, 29. So, like, really hard to tell. And everybody's wearing tri kits and hats and glasses. Like, you don't know what anybody looks like. Yeah. Um, so, 
I, I, I like slowed down a little bit on that second lap, but not a ton, but he picked it up. Um, and so I guess he knew that I had passed him. And so he was trying to, trying to catch me. Um, so we basically held that gap for the next five miles, which I, I didn't know. Um, and so I guess you know, my, my family was all freaking out because they were all at the finish line. Like, oh man, he's going to blow up. Like he's going to get caught. <laughs> yeah. Um, and did you know that he started a little bit back from you on the swim? Did he? It looks like, I, I, it looks like 40. She started at 839 and he started at. You started at 8.39.03. He started at 8.39.46. Wow. So he so had 43 stupid. seconds. I know. It sucks. Well, Wow, I didn't realize that was even possible. The stupid part about that is they, they, you lined up based on like how fast you thought you were going to swim. And so I knew I was going to be in the top five or so for my age group for the swim. So I lined up at the front. This guy clearly knew that if he swam a 24 low. <laughs> like wow that's very what were you, like that was it was that's pure that is pure looking for an advantage there's nothing <laughs> nothing else to explain that um well i mean yeah. is it though if he you know he's got more congestion to deal with right i mean but if he if you he, he's stand out in the water so he knows he's just gonna be like he's gonna win yeah. out of the water he'll, he'll, he'll be first took, out of the water he probably took the I mean, outside lane on the way move, out yeah. and just gunned it and then kind of muscled his way across and then gunned it again on the outside lane yeah um, nobody saw That's interesting yeah yeah i mean man what that you would think we'd at least get to the point where in world championships the guy that crosses the line first is our winner i mean i think they should do a mass start at the world championships i like the mass start i mean age group mass start like, age why group don't they start. do that yeah, yeah. age yeah. group mass start i don't see any reason why we should, can't do that these days here um i definitely agree i miss the mass start so well i won't go too much into that but i i definitely agree and i'm this is definitely highlighting that i can't imagine if you'd cross the line you know thinking you're winning and um something like that happens that's crazy I'm so upset <laughs> yeah <laughs> right suck. although exactly I crossed but it didn't happen and, I didn't and you know, won right <laughs> it all worked out right yeah yeah Totally. Uh, and Elliot, how was the run for you? Uh, kind of the opposite of Matt. So I had like pretty bad stomach cramps. Actually, I felt good at first. And then on the downhill, I feel like I lost a lot of time because I had a really bad stomach cramp going down. And then I didn't realize like how steep that downhill part was. So yeah, I had issues with that because I feel like you work so hard on the uphills and then I wasn't really taking advantage of the downhills because I just wasn't used to running on such a steep descent. I mean, it was like, I felt like the road runner out there, <laughs> but I, I felt like I had a much stronger second half, which really is typically not the case in a half Ironman. I mean, I usually always kind of positive split and start off strong, but I mean, I kind of told you this column before, like, I just feel like I'm just have like that Ironman engine in me. And I just really am struggling with like that top end speed that's needed a little to bit do faster. Well. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, well, still had a pretty good race, uh, you know, for sure. And obviously the competition is fierce with these ones there. Yeah. Um, but uh, very cool. Well, congrats to both. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty remarkable and uh matt certainly proud to know you and uh you know getting to know you this year uh couldn't happen to a better guy it's always great to see when 
when good hard working guys uh you know get to win and uh the hard work pays off here so really really proud and happy for you oh thanks colin that uh it means a lot it's a uh, i don't know it's, it's cool being on emj and like i don't know i'm on the younger end probably i think i am the youngest guy on the team and having a lot of guys on the older guys on the team um older than me which is not really that old um who who do seem to have it all figured out good family lives and, and work-life balances and um, have like been through some hard stuff and then come around the other end. Like you and my coach have a similar story in that way. And that's really inspiring to me. And um, yeah, so it means a lot for you to say that. For sure, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So now my, my next questions that uh, I've gotten two different answers from you on here. So you're <laughs> a, you're a age group world champion. Now I'm going to ask you for the third time, what's, what's your plans for next year? Yeah. So, um, I think I'm going to take my pro license. Um, I'm going to take my pro license. All right. Congratulations. Um, And I'm, thank you. And I'm going to race, uh, I'm going to race draft legal, which is maybe, uh, a a wrench that you haven't heard about yet. No, that is definitely a wrench. All right. I'd expect, (laughs) you know, I want at least that third answer to be slightly different than the other ones I got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I got to save the juicy stuff for the pod absolutely well that's exciting very cool i think that's a smart move i think that'd be cool yeah but obviously or uh i shouldn't say obviously like is the plan to keep the day job plans to keep the day job um you know i i I think it's it's a good position to be in where i don't have to i can go to races and only think about performing for me and i don't have to think about performing for paycheck or performing for sponsors or what and i think um i'd also i also like the balance that I have with my life right now. And, um, I, I, I like my job and I don't feel, I feel like if all I did was triathlon right now, um, I might not like it as much and it might, I might not more. actually yep. end up being as good because, um, I might just train myself into a hole and burn out. So I think at this point in my, uh, career, um, I can still keep improving, at the volume I'm doing, maybe a little bit more, um, race what I want to race, you know, not have the pressure to like, you know, take time off and, um, if I need to. And, um, you know, if we get to the point one, one day where it like makes sense to actually do this full time, um, that would be really cool, but I don't want to rush that because I don't, I think that lifestyle of being a, pro triathlete who's a kind of really struggling to pay the bills seems stressful and lonely and not conducive to performance. Completely agree. I mean, that's uh, some pretty mature words there and, you know, it'll obviously be cool to say, yeah, I'm a pro triathlete. And, but at the same time, uh, the the tech world and (laughs) industries usually pay a lot better unless you're, you're the Jan Ferdinos of the world. So, uh, you know, I think that that uh, is, much as, you know, I certainly would recommend you focus and, and go for your dreams. Uh, I think that's, that's pretty wise there, man. But I do yeah, think, I think so it's, well. I do think it's the right move. I mean, you, you won three overalls this year, including world championships. So, yeah. I mean, I really think that that's a pretty good decision. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So. Yeah. Ultimately the, um, I, I was back and forth with Colin. I remember, uh, I think a muscle man, I told Colin I was going to go pro and then, at um swim run i was like ah, i don't think so anymore um 
but ultimately like been talking to my coach a lot and you know what I really enjoy about triathlon is like racing and not I don't really like the time trial side of it it's like fun to see what you can do but um like I got into the sport in college because I like to race people and um the pro field seems like a guaranteed way every single time you step out you're going to be like racing the best um you're not you know right if you're constantly winning you know um it's it's going to be tough to really uh continue to push yourself and you know make you the best you right you know when you're um i think you'll certainly find more motivation when you find you're fighting and uh trying to to keep up with those guys here yeah Uh, i'm 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 really excited about it i think i think that's what i need to kind of push my bike and my run and my swim honestly to the next level Um, right all right yeah, I mean that's you know another guy on our team that's that's a pro uh, Clay MG, um, you know who's got three kids. <laughs> if you haven't seen Lionel's most recent video, uh, he actually gets a little cameo in it, which is really cool. And it talks about how he drove through the night and he's going on like two hours of sleep. And I think that was the day before the race, you know, because he's committed to his family and he still has a full-time job but he races pro i mean or actually i just brought it up what do you do yeah he put it nicely too he's just like i i know i'm not gonna win but i was dominating the amateur ranks and i just want to see how i do in the pro ranks because it pushes me you know so uh um i really commend you guys for doing that and uh you know i think it it does make sense uh and uh, i'm sure you're gonna do awesome with it Thanks, Colin. I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. So does that, that mean uh, you're sticking with EMJ or what? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess I got to talk to Rich about it. Um, <laughs> so hope he doesn't listen to this first. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't think that would be a problem. I don't, I don't plan no, on I mean, like. Same thing with Clay, right? Yeah. I would yeah. It wouldn't be a problem, you know, and I'm sure the sponsors will love it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. I'm just bummed we can't have Matt on this podcast again. Well, that, I, that I still is identify as an age grouper. I okay. like, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think age group is age grouper is more of a mentality than anything else. You know, age grouper is you train hard, you work hard, you balance family yeah. and social and, you know, that's what we're that, all is, about. that is truly what it's, what it's all about. Yeah. yeah is the lifestyle and, you know, finding the balance and things. So, I, I would have to agree with you, Matt. There, Matt. You know, maybe you're maybe you're you're eligible for a second visit here. Uh, take the, the pro card here, but uh, I don't know, Colin. <laughs> slippery slope. It's it's a slippery slope. Very you start slippery inviting. slope. Yeah, that's nah, fair. You're, one day you're just going to be interviewing Lionel and be like, "How do we get?" <laughs> we can get Lionel on. We'll 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 break the rules. Yeah. <laughs> probably good for the business. Yeah. Yeah. Well uh i i actually still i mean lionel's obviously a full-blown can't get any more professional than that but uh you know his kind of background i do feel like he's kind of an age grouper at heart you know ways and i think that's why he's so relatable to so many people but uh i digress on that one here so um awesome matt well um if you're going to be draft legal so that means you're not going to just uh blow me away at uh any races next year here well, I think I think I'll probably start the year in the spring and early summer doing some of that draft legal sprint stuff. So I did that in college and I loved it. And my favorite style of racing. And I think it'll be a good motivator to like get my swim back up to what it used to be in high school and um, 
get some run speed. I think it'll just be a good change of pace, uh, even though the, the training is actually pretty similar. It's still a lot of long aerobic stuff, so it translates yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so I'll do that for probably the spring and summer, and then I'll, I'll certainly do some 70.3s at the end of the year because um, there's there's a, a good number of, like, pro, pro 70.3 races. In New England area, you got Maine is very accessible. They're doing yeah. a challenge race up in New York. Um, there's that one in Williamsburg, Pennsylvania. A lot of races like that that'll be, you know, pro races, but maybe not, like, the uh, – Upper the most competitive, yeah. Um, yeah. Which you know, I think, I think would be a better experience for me than just like getting shelled. <laughs> as right. much as it would be fun to like toe the line with the likes of Lionel and Jan and those guys, um, it there's only so much you learn by just being off the back the entire day. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's fair, absolutely. Very good, man. Well, uh, congrats again to both of you. Definitely was jealous not to be there. Um, but, uh, um, you know, glad you guys got to, to race and, and had good races. And uh, again, uh, really incredible to be a world champ here, Matt. So uh, thanks for being on and uh, sharing your story here. Thanks for having me, Colin. Uh, one thing I'm curious about, are you, uh, what's next for you? Are you doing um, St. George Kona or are you doing Kona Kona? Uh Elliot, why don't you answer that first? What are you doing? <laughs> doing the we're we're both doing the double. We're Iron Man guys. That's right. You're doing both? Yeah. We're both doing both. Yeah. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh yeah, it'll be a long course year, hopefully. Uh assuming we can can race, but uh should be good. And I think that's uh both where Elliot and I probably have our uh have our strongest abilities. So should be good. Well, I'm excited but, for uh, looking forward to uh, to hanging out with you and the guys at camp uh, and uh, getting hopefully back to somewhat normal here by 2022. But who knows here? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Being down in Vegas with Justin and Devin made me miss camp 2019. Started thinking about it a lot. Yeah. So I mean, I I think it's going to go full steam ahead, and I'm yeah really stoked about it. Yeah, I think so too. We'll hope so. So excellent. Well, thanks again. Um, appreciate everybody for listening here. Until next time, we'll uh, we'll catch you later. Bye, everybody. <laughs>